You're listening to a message from Spindle City Vineyard. Connect with us or find out more at spindlecityvineyard.com. We are so happy to see you here with us this morning, either in person or online. You are welcome. My name is Perla Samitis. For those of you that don't know me, I'm part of the team that serves in this church. And I'm going to be sharing what I believe God wants us to hear today. Uh, and just like to remember a little bit what's been going on here in our family. We had been going through a journey, right? Remember, through the whole Bible, we took a break from that journey during the summer, and we heard God still speaking many, many important, relevant things to our hearts. And today, we're going to retake that journey, okay? So the picture that he has been giving me is like, okay, hop into the car, God is driving, and or tell us where to go, and then pull over, park here, right? And then, okay, happening again, let's continue. So I hope you are ready to retake the journey and just start walking with God. Um, he's already here. He's already moving. So I'm going to invite you to close your eyes if you are comfortable or extend your hands and let's just invite his presence just to continue moving, just to continue speaking to us, touching us. And yes, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this morning that we are able to be here together with only one purpose, to praise you, to worship you, to love you, and we want to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, we invite you, just come and stay and hover over us. Open our ears to hear your voice, to see your face, and transform us. Do everything that you want to do this morning in our lives. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. The book we are going to dive into today, it's the book of Daniel. May I ask how many of you have read that book? Yes. Okay. If you done, it's okay. We're going to go into it. It's an amazing book. It's a book that I love for so many reasons. Uh, but we're going to be focusing in two main things, okay? It's going to be impossible to cover the whole book, so I'm going to give you first like a general overview, and then we're going to be narrowing it down, and I believe God wants us to focus in one thing. Uh, but what I felt is that he was saying, look at the circumstances, okay? We're going to see this human being. He was a real person. And there's a lot of history that is backed up in history books in the schools. Okay, my kids got excited when I told them I'm going to be talking about this king because they studied in school. So it, it's amazing because we can really see that the Bible is made of real human beings. They lived in history. What is written really happened. God is real. What's real then is real now. So we're going to focus on the circumstances as a whole. And then I felt that God was saying, 
look at my beloved ones. How they lived, how they behaved, what is it that they did in the middle of all of these circumstances. So this is going to um, be what we're going to be working, okay? And in order for us to understand the circumstances, we're going to see just a little bit, very briefly, okay, about the history of the context where Daniel was living. And that's in the Bible, Daniel 1, 1. Okay, so we're going to go there. If you have a Bible, if you have a digital Bible, if you want to read from the screen, okay, you're welcome to do it. And I'm going to apologize in advance, okay? Part of my preparing, just to make you laugh a little bit about this, the names, I'm like, Lord, help. It's like a tongue twister for me because I know this, the names in Spanish and they are already long. And then in English, I had to repeat them 20 times. And I, Nico, how do you pronounce this king's name? So just ignore my mispronunciation <laughs> and focus on yeah, what is important. Okay, so Daniel 1, 1. Okay, this is the context. These are the circumstances where we start seeing Daniel. Okay. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So if we had a movie, I just imagine this chaos and destruction, and it's just like sweeping. It's a really, really bad thing. Okay? It's the worst of circumstances. And then... This king commanded Ashmanas, his chief, you know, eunuch, to bring some, not all, to bring some of the people of Israel. Okay, he already took the city, destroyed it, and he says, like, okay, go and bring some. But he's very specific, okay? Some people that are both of the royal family and of the nobility. Jews without blemish of good appearance. So I was like, that's interesting. Okay, so you don't only want like nobility, but you want them to be handsome. So if there's an ugly guy in there, I'm sorry, you stay, right? And skillful in all wisdom. That was like, okay, this is very interesting. Endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So this is how we start. Okay? It's chaos, destruction, but not only that. Okay, I'm sure many were killed. Some were just taken out of their country. And I was thinking, wow, if you could imagine that, how would you feel? This is all you know. And co there comes another country and just says, like, you, 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 and you, out. And you are taken far away. You get to another country. You don't know the language of that country. And all the system, all the beliefs, everything, the culture, everything is so different. And you are in the middle of it. And you are not free. You are captive. And you are aware that you are not free. You have to be there, and you are captive. And then you have to do what you are told to, okay? 
And this is what the king ordered or commanded. Like, okay, you are here. This is what I want this to happen. Number one, we read in the Bible that the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. So this is something really, really huge because if you remember when we went through the Old Testament, God was very clear saying, this is what you are allowed to eat. I don't want you to contaminate your bodies with this other stuff. You are not allowed to drink wine. So they are in this whole culture, new country, new system, and they are, what it seems to me, are forced to eat and drink what they have never eaten or drunk, right? And number two, this king says that they were to be educated for three years. At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king and they were going to be tested. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay, this is like intensive college, forced college. Like you are not free to say no, right? You have to study the literature and you have to study the language. And if you have three years and then I will test you and see how it goes for you. So this is the situation where Daniel is, okay? Because verse 6 says, Among these that were taken, perfect youth, handsome boys, okay? They were, very, they were teenagers, okay? It's really, they were really young. Among these taken captives were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belteshazzar, which it happens to be the name of one of their gods with lowercase letters, okay, one of the idols. So just imagine that, okay, if, I don't know, whatever name comes to mind to you that it's the name of another idol and you just have this boy and you are no longer be called by your name, okay, this is your new name, okay, just there. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. So I don't know if you can see this, but when I was really just praying into it, I just thought, oh, this is big, because not only they are there, the fact that their names were changed means I, I'm erasing your identity completely completely and I was like oh god so that means it's something deep because what came to my mind what's the meaning of those names that wanted to be erased completely from their lives and this is what I found obviously they are Hebrew and every name in the Bible has meanings Daniel means God is my judge and it felt like they were really saying like forget about this God is not He's not here with you. Forget about it. Your identity is erased. Hananiah, his, his name means grace, mercy, gift of the Lord. And I was thinking, what was Hananiah thinking when he was told, you are no longer a gift of the Lord? Forget about grace and mercy. Michelle, who is like God? 
And I just felt this is very cruel because erase that, okay? Like, I don't know, I just felt that they were trying to rise up like higher than God himself, like saying, see, I'm more powerful, I'm erasing this from your identity. And Azariah held by God. And I just imagine they were really helpless there, how they felt. And this is deep erasing their identities in God. Because now they were no longer these wonderful teenagers that belonged to the tribe of Judah. They were the captives belonging to a new culture and a new system, and they were trapped there, and they had to obey whatever. So they were put these labels on their own identities. But then we read something that starts kind of changing when God says, look at these circumstances. It's really the worst of the worst circumstances that you can live in, and look at what he does when he goes through all of this and you have to eat and drink this. We read one line and it says, Daniel resolved in his heart. And he just decided, I won't allow this to contaminate my being or my heart. I'm making the firm decision to follow my God and just keep following him and just keep loving and obeying him no matter what. And he resolved in his heart to do that. He and his three friends decided, okay, no matter what circumstances, I'm going to really just fix my attention on the one true God of Israel and I'm going to keep following him. So this is what happens. Three years go by, they are trained, and they come to the king. And this is what we read, verse 17. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, because there were many, None was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. None. Therefore they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And I was like, this is amazing, because the researchers and all the studies says that this literature was not an easy literature. And there was a lot of occult and dark things that they had to immerse themselves in. The enchanters and magicians were the advisors. And just imagine these four guys going into it, because they are forced to study, but they resolved in their heart, this one touched me. This one touched my true identity. I follow the one true God. So, and I just thought, okay, this is just chapter one. And if I were reading a fairy tale, right? Like they got to the king, they got the job. Okay, they get favor, they are the best. I could really see here the, and they live happily ever after, right? And I, and I was like, no, if you read 
Daniel, I really encourage you to go and read it. It gets worse, <laughs> worse and better at the same time, right? Because things start happening. This king has a dream. And this king, this um, story gives me the idea of a dictator because he has the dream and he calls all the magicians and all the wisdom uh, that he can get in the kingdom. And among them, it's these four guys. And he tells them, I had a dream. I'm very worried. So I want you to give me the interpretation. And they are like, okay, oh, king, give us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. So the king just goes like, oh, no, no, no. If you are really that wise, you have to give me the dream. You tell me what I dreamt and also give me the interpretation. And they were like, what? So, of course, Daniel and the four friends go to their one true God. In the midst of these circumstances, they always had that. They go, they pray, God answers and reveals to Daniel what the dream was in detail and also gives him the interpretation. So they go and they are safe because if they were not going to obey the king's orders, all of them were going to be killed. So Daniel saves everybody because God gave him revelation. Okay? Uh, he has a second dream and it's more or less the same thing. Okay, God comes through, gives interpretation. There's another king that comes because years and years and years pass. Okay? There's another king, and the weirdest thing happens, okay, this king sees a hand just appeared, like floating there, writing, and I'm like, whoa, I, I, I think everybody would faint if we see, like, the Adams family hands floating there and writing, right? But they were like, okay, I, they were shocked, and who has the answer? Daniel says, there's one God that reveals the mysteries, and only him can reveal what it's unknown for us. And he really, really just comes through, and they can see the one true God. And every time these kings that are evil acknowledge, like, wow, this is really the one true God, because no one can do anything like that, only one true God. So these are bad circumstances. They get threatened their lives get threatened because they follow this one true god and the sentence for not obeying the religious like laws of the kingdom was death so the three friends get into big trouble when they refuse to worship this golden idol right and they use music and i was like oh it's like really it's like worship going on but it's not for the one true god it's the culture is worshiping other gods, and they try to drag them, right? When they cannot drag them, they just go to the king, and these people not, are not obeying, okay? So death sentence. And the death sentence is throwing them tied up with all their clothes and even their hats, which is interesting, into a furnace of fire. And I don't know if you have heard the story. The three friends get thrown it was so hot and the fire was so big that it says that the people that threw them away, they died because the flame got to them and they died when they were obeying the, the king's orders. So these friends go into the furnace and I thought, okay, how cruel has a king has to be 
in order for him to have like a door into the oven so he can watch as these sentenced ones are dying. Because it says that he was watching through this door, the furnace door, and he wanted to watch when they were dying. And he picked, and what he sees is these three guys untied, walking with a fourth human being around the fire. And the flames don't touch them, and they are free, and he gets shocked, and everybody, just imagine, like in the movies, everybody comes to see, like, what's going on? Like, they are walking, and I see another one, and the, the appearance, it's, it's like a supernatural being there. And he calls them, they come out, and the Bible says that not even a hair was burned. And the smoke, not even smoke, the smell, nothing touched them. And Researchers say, okay, that four figure was Jesus. He's described as Jesus. And I just thought, wow, okay, no loss of physics here. No loss of nature. When Jesus comes with you, that is canceled if it's needed. He just comes through. So we're going to focus in another story like this because I felt like God was saying, like, okay, go here. Because it's years and years. After all of this, we have Daniel 6. And we come to, again, the circumstances, okay? I imagine the culture, the system, everything, plus the envy and the jealousy, okay? Because all of these people in the system don't like them. They are different because God is with them. So we get to chapter 6, and there's this king, Darius, and he says, the Bible says that he puts 120 people, leaders, on his kingdom, Okay? And above these 120, he appoints three main officials over these so to, to really have organized the kingdom. One of these officials is Daniel. Okay, he gets to that point. It's really, really high in hierarchy. And we read this, Daniel 6.3. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and leaders because an excellent spirit was in him. And I don't know if you can see this, but I was like, yes. I just had this joy in my heart because I could sense like this higher spirit. Like I'm sure there were many spirits there that were not from God because everything was going on. But they could see there was a higher spirit in Daniel, and that was the Holy Spirit, right? And the king, because of him, the king planned to set Daniel over the whole kingdom. So, of course, this brings things against Daniel. He has God's favor, but he also has all this jealousy and envy. And all these 120 leaders and the two other high officials tried to set him up, okay? That's what we read in verses 4 and 5. The high officials and the leaders, satraps, sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, okay? So you're in the system. Let's try to find something that is not working with you, okay, in our system. But they could not find anything. They find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, 
we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the loss of his God. And I just thought, wow, okay, this reveals a lot of how things work, okay, maybe in the spiritual realm, because if your enemy cannot find anything to hit you or to make you weak, they just decided, okay, we'll go, we'll target his relationship with his God. And I was like, wow, okay. And Daniel didn't know anything. He walked in integrity. Even in this system that is so corrupt and so evil, he did everything with excellence to the point that these enemies could not find anything, no error at all. It's just that integrity of life because he was honoring God with everything he did, like the daily life. So we have all of this scheme, okay, and he obviously gets set up and, okay, see, king, now you have to kill him because he's not obeying, because he obeys his God and he doesn't obey you. And this king really regrets doing that law and being manipulated. He didn't know until he knew. <laughs> and the sentence again is death, okay, but this time it's not the furnace of fire. Okay, something went out. <laughs> uh, this time... He has like a second option to get the sentence killed, and that's a den filled with lions. So just imagine that. We see the lions at the zoos, but can you imagine being in front of a hungry lion? And it wasn't just one. It's plural. We don't know how many. But he was sentenced, and he just gets thrown into the lion's den. And we read that a stone is put there. It's sealed with the ring of the king. Nothing can be done. The king <clears throat> is really, really sad. And we read that he doesn't eat. He doesn't do the usual routine he does before going to bed. He just doesn't sleep because he's thinking Daniel is killed by these lions. And we read in verse 20 and 23, this king... As he came near to the den where Daniel was in the morning, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. And I was like, wow. He saw the true identity. Daniel had another name for years. Remember, they erased their identity. But because he sees his life, he sees his true identity and defines him daniel servant of the living god has your god whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions and we know the story daniel responds yes yes my god sent his angel and he found me blameless i'm not I'm, I'm not guilty, I'm innocent. And even in your side, O king, I'm innocent. And he sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. And because of that, because I trusted him, the lions didn't open their mouths. This is a very, a very, very strong faith. The word that came to me was enduring faith. Because all these years, Daniel has this faith that it seems to grow stronger and stronger and stronger in the worst of circumstances. He has favored the king because of this 
sees his identity and acknowledges that, wow, this God of Daniel is completely different to anything that I know. All the literature, all the magicians, all the enchanters didn't have any value anymore because he saw the God of Daniel. And we see in verses 25 and 26, this king, uh, right after this, he wrote and sent a decree. And I just imagine like in the movies, like Robin Hood movies, when they like have the scroll, and this is the decree of the king, this happened, okay? I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he, this God, is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. This is the one true God, and he saw it. When I read this, I just thought there's something powerful about this faith of really trusting 100% the God of Daniel, the God of Israel. And you can say your name there, the God of Barb, the God of Jim, the God of Brittany, the God of all of you. We believe the same God. And Hebrews 11, I just thought like, oh, yeah. That's like the hall of fame for the, all the faith heroes, okay? Daniel is not mentioned by name, but it's mentioned because of the lions. And this is what we read, okay? Hebrews 11:33. all the heroes of faith. Uh, the author is writing like, what more can I say? I can write about all of these people, okay? Because, verse 33, who through faith, other version says, by faith. They conquer kingdoms, they enforce justice, they obtain promises, they stopped the mouths of lions. And it's all by faith. All because this first sentence, I went kind of back to the beginning because at, from the beginning, Daniel resolved in his heart and remained and endured and remained and endured and he saw amazing things in the worst of circumstances because he resolved in his heart, my God is the one true God, and I follow him no matter what. And I just imagine his prayer life. Uh, if you continue reading in the second part of the book, all the visions, try to go and read and focus on how he reacts when God meets him. And God speaks to him, like, don't be afraid. You are the beloved of God. And his faith, his trust, it's 100%. Because he resolved in his heart. So what I felt is like, okay, this is a message for us today. Because really for many of us, you might think or might feel like you are going through the worst of circumstances or it's been too long in a situation. And I just felt like God is going to bring breakthrough and it's going to be powerful just by obeying and trying to 
do what Daniel did, and one is resolve in your heart. And he reminded me when I had a very unique situation, and it's discouraging when the enemy targets you to the point that you see more this situation than you see God, and you feel like helpless. And I remember why I was in that situation, and without knowing, this resolve in your heart came to my mind, and I just felt my spirit rising and saying like, yes. I, I just said it aloud so that the air can hear it, and I just said, Lord, no matter what, I don't care about the circumstance, I don't care what's going on, I belong to you, and I will follow you always. I will never leave you because you are the one true God. And I just felt like, let's invite everybody. Just resolve in your heart. No matter what is your circumstance, we're going to name it. We're going to pray and just tell him out loud, no matter what. No matter what. I love you. I'll follow you. I trust you. I'll keep going with you no matter what.